Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End, uh, another weekly podcast. Uh, this one after Watford's 2-2 away draw at uh, Bournemouth. Uh, it's Sunday night. Uh, joining me is Jason. Hello there. And uh, Michael. Yeah, you got it right. Two away goals. Can you believe it? I thought Christmas was last month. Yes, well, it's uh, th- that's that's a good positive that came out of the game. Let's, let's talk about it. Uh, as an overview goes, um, Jason, you look at the final result and you see 2-2 away at Bournemouth. You'd have taken that, wouldn't you? I'd have taken it at the start of the game, but I can't help feeling it's a missed opportunity given we were in the lead with less than 10 minutes to go. And the fact that we've had a, a bad run and we sort of, three points would have been nice for, for confidence. And when you look at the games we've got coming up as well, we've got a couple of tricky away games, Arsenal and Man U. Yeah, missed opportunity. And, 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 and But in terms of the performances, I mean, that, that's the thing, we can always look at results and, and they are the important thing, Mike. Um, but when we look at the, the way that we played... Um, can we take more positives as as a team performance? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've got to say I'm 100 percent with Jason. Is it's it's two points, two points dropped. We've played another team who are low on confidence. That's Middlesbrough, Palace, and Bournemouth. We've played now who are on very very poor runs of form, and we failed to to beat any of them, which is a concern. Um, but that said, an away away day at Bournemouth is uh, has its challenges, as as we all know. So a, a draw there, you probably would have taken it before. Before the kickoff, but as a, as a as a team performance, there were green shoots, green shoots of uh, of recovery. So uh, it looked like we'd sort of woken up a little bit and had a bit more um, attacking intent throughout the game. Um, there was a little bit more confidence flowing through the uh, through the team um, in in patches. I would say they're very very isolated patches. This wasn't this was far from a um, an awakening, if you like. This was a, a far from a, a reversal of recent a recent sort of slightly insipid performances, but there were just little signs of the ball was being zipped around a little bit more quickly, a um, bit more uh, focus on attack, um, a bit more belief perhaps that we could uh, we could have a, a positive impact on the game. So I'd say, yeah, being optimistic, if you like, being um, being positive, there are, there are some um, good things to take away from it. But the bottom line is we failed to beat a team who, like us, is in, in bad form and there's probably as much to worry about as there is to to be happy about. To be perfectly honest, yeah. Let's let's talk about the let's keep with the positives a bit longer. Um, uh, the first one being uh, Tom Cleverly. Um, Mike, you gave him man of the match. Yeah. Uh, in your uh, ESPN FC player ratings, Jason, um, he, he did he play the role that you saw him playing that uh, when he returned. I think so. Yeah. Starting with his first ten minutes of Watford football in a game against Middlesbrough. One, he hit the post, was probably a bit unlucky. Um, I don't think he had much to aim at when he did that. And then the ball that set Deeney away, that little sort of dink over the top, it's like a, it's like a Premier League version of John Eustace. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. Um, and of course, in that game, he came on for Barami. He was in in place of Barami for, for the Bournemouth game. And it's that sort of driving, creative force that we're looking for um, and that seems to be what he's taken on at this stage but did it feel a little bit though Mike that there were especially that first half Wiltshire had quite a lot of space and we did sort of miss someone to be a little bit more let's say set back and on that sort of enforcer role I think we always miss a fully fit and, and fully firing Barami because he just he shuts everyone down he sniffs around he snaps into tackles he makes a nuisance of himself um, so I think we're always going to miss a, a fully fit and, and, and fully firing Barami. And you're right, Bournemouth did seem to find 
a lot of space with the simplest of movement, really. It made Watford look static far too often. Um, and certainly as the, as the game wore on and, and as the clock ticked down towards towards full time, they just the, the simplest thing, they'd, they'd find themselves with, with space and time, which which is unforgivable, really. But, but if that was the, the price to pay for a slightly more attacking, um, positive approach from Watford, then... I'm kind of willing willing to pay it because um, Jason's right. Um, cleverly, he he get the ball and he do what a Watford player hasn't done for for what feels like months. Get the ball, drive on, be positive, look to make something happen instead of just existing and waiting for it to happen. Which is how it how it feels like we've approached the games really over the last the last couple of months. The sort of attacking intent has just seeped away from us, and and uh, we've just we've just sort of existed out there. We've just been we've just been I don't know. It's very, very hard to describe. Um, but yeah, cleverly just gets the ball. He's positive. He drives on. He makes things happen. And and I think Troy came to life a little bit yesterday, see, seeing that happen. And I, I, I do think that perhaps it was a game that uh, that Igalo would have benefited from the combination of, of of cleverly getting the ball up there quickly and 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 sort of getting the defence on the back foot, which is exactly what what Igalo likes to play against the defence who sort of in, in two minds. Um, so yeah, I think he was definitely man of the match in my eyes. I think he's he's been positive since he arrived, um, and yeah, he's looking like, he's looking like a great signing. We need more people to click around him, um, but it's, it was a lot more fun with him in the side yesterday, without any doubt. Do you think, Jason? Though the fact that Cleverly has come from another Premier League side is quite a major thing, and if we are to get more players in, they they just need to have proper Premier League experience because it was this time last year in the fourth round of the FA Cup. That we saw was that Pantillamon's first game. It was definitely Amrabat's first game, uh, and we and he played. He was like, "Oh, there's something there." He didn't take off for a long time. You know, do you think if if uh, you know these players that we are going to bring in, hopefully, fingers crossed, they need that Premier League experience? Oh, there's no denying that it will help. Um, no, 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 I mean it will always help. But do you think it's absolutely vital that they do? Wherefore, where Watford are at this point in the season? Mm, no, I don't. I don't think it's absolutely necessary because if they're a top quality player with the right attitude and determination I don't necessarily think that playing in English Premier League is is essential if they've got top flight experience elsewhere in Europe then that's probably good enough Um, but it's the it's the attitude they've got the determination they've got and the willingness to dig in because we're going to have to dig in quite deep in the in the coming months I think just to to grind out the results that we need from time to time Uh, and it's and it's the attitude they need rather than where they've played before. In fairness, I think it's worth pointing out they did show a bit of grit yesterday, and there was there was more appetite, if you like, for the game yesterday, which which has been has been lacking in in recent recent weeks. I don't know because they sensed that, that Bournemouth was struggling, but it, I think we we have to give credit where it's due, and there was a little bit more of that spark, a little bit more energy, and a little bit more purpose purpose yesterday. Sorry, Jason, interrupted, but I thought thought it's worth worth making that point. Um, yeah, Mike, you mentioned how maybe Igalo would have been better in that game, and. And and the enigma, let's call him, because I quite like him, and um, cool. is Akaka. You know, he he had an amazing fifteen seconds when he played at West Ham. He's played two really great games at home: the Everton game at home and last week at Borough. Last week he really tried to. You know, it, it, the feeling was, oh, he can make things happen. He's making things happen as a player. But then he's had two terrible away games where you know everybody's not shining about him. Uh, the West Brom away and now Bournemouth away. I have to say, chaps, I think he's flattered to deceive a little bit. I, I think I said even after the Everton game when he when he scored uh, when he scored the goals that I still think he was he's at best he's an average Premier League player. 
um, and he doesn't feel anything close to me to to solving the the goal scoring problem that that we've got. I think he's I think he's handy to have, obviously because of his size. We saw, like you mentioned, his brief cameo at West Ham was great. The the Everton game was was good fun as well. But you just you know that watching him, you're not going to get that every game from him. Um, and yesterday was a was a the Bournemouth game was a very very uh, clear example of that. He did the hard work. He used his enormous bulk and, and frame to to put himself between the the defender and the ball, which is exactly what you'd expect him to do. So he did that hard battling bit, and we thought, right, okay, the ball's coming your way. You've got you've got yourself in possession now. Let's let's do it. Either play the ball, spin off, and on you go, or, or beat your man. But not once did he manage to do anything with it. He he seems really really bad at holding the ball up, which is what you'd expect him to be good at. You know that get the big man up there, get the defender out of the way, hit him, and then he can hold the ball up and play in on a cleverly arriving or Kapu or, or Dini whatever. And it was it just didn't happen. He he struggled um, with the ball for for the entirety of his um, the entirety of his uh, uh, his performance yesterday, and it was uh, you know I'm not going to not going to berate him. I don't, it's not his fault. I just think I don't think he's a massively talented footballer, and it and it showed yesterday. Handy guy to have to, to perhaps come on with 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 ten fifteen minutes to go. I think the West Ham performance is probably the way I see him his Watford career being. If you like, if we need something different with with a couple of minutes to go, throw on throw on the archetypal big lad and see what happens. But. Um, I, I thought he really, really suffered yesterday, and uh, it was, uh, the only surprise for me was that he didn't come off come, come off soon. He came off just after the hour mark. I think I think it was sixty two minutes. Jan Mac came on, and I would have had him off at half time and put put Igala on. Quite frankly, John, you said he had a great game against uh, Middlesbrough. Did I say good, good, or did I say great or good? I'm, I'm going to go with it was a good game. It was a, it was the moments where you think, oh, right, well, that's what you can do, and. You know, using his style and his size, it, it was you know creating things from from or some in some occasions from what you thought was nothing. He did, but equally, I I found him a little bit frustrating last week because he there were lots of sort of hand gestures in the air, sort of throwing his hands in the air, which seemed to culminate mm. in that half-hearted attempt to try and win a penalty that he got booked for right near the end. Mm. Um, so it was a bit, yeah. Good, good and bad last week for me. Let's let's go on to the the the, the man who people are talking about. Oh, there's, there's two men people are talking about the most, I suppose, in, in from yesterday in terms of negativity on, on Twitter. One is uh, Kabul, um, and the other one is uh, Cabaselli. Uh, Kabul, Mike, is is he is he your first choice back three? I'd I'd have a fully fit Cathcart instead of well a fully fit an informed Cathcart alongside Britos and Prada would be my would be my preferred back three. I don't think necessarily Eunice Kabul is as, as bad as uh, as everyone makes out. I think his arrivals kind of coincided with the pretty uh, poor run of form. <laughs> um, so you can read into that that whatever you like. But I think between them, all the all the defensive players at Watford have had poor runs over the last well this season. Really, They've, we've never really had that solid defensive unit that we that we had last year. Even 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 the beautiful Sebastian Prudel has had a couple of off games. So. Um, yeah, I don't think Kabul's as bad as everyone makes out. I think he he, he could have done better, I guess, for the first, for the first goal against Bournemouth yesterday. But it was a it was a decent ball in. Who is picking King up is the big question. Um, and then, of course, he was he was hung out to dry completely by uh, by Cabaselli's uh, indiscretion, shall we call it? Um, so again, was it, was put in a very very tr- tricky spot for the for the second goal. I think, largely speaking, he's he, you know he's do- he's done okay. 
Um, he's far from the best, uh, best uh, one of the best centre backs in the in the in, in the Premier League. But I think again, with like as with Akaka, I think he's someone decent to have in reserve. Should should uh, we we have injuries or suspensions? But um, if if we can get Cathcart back and and confident, which because um, we haven't really seen the best of of Cathcart really for for a little while now. But when he was in full flight, when he was you know, in the midst of his uh, midst of his run, I thought he was he was as good as anyone we've we've had it at centre back. And uh, yeah, I'd have I'd have Kabul out and uh, and Cathcart in alongside Britos and um, Britos and Pruedo. I think uh, Britos deserves a little bit of praise yesterday. He's quite intelligent with the with the header back across for the first goal, and he and he tried to do it again yesterday. And it's it's just nice to see that a little bit of um, a proper set piece, a proper set play. Um, they didn't snatch at it. They 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 did exactly what you'd hope they'd they'd be working on in training. And uh, yes, a bit of credit for uh, for our old Uruguayan friend Miguel there as well. But yeah, Kabul, I wouldn't shed any tears if he if he if he left the club tomorrow. But but obviously we've been struggling with injuries. We've struggled with suspension. So he's a he's a handy chap to have around. But uh, he's not my first choice. Well, he, he probably will get some appearances because uh, Britos is bound to get a couple more yellow cards and uh, maybe a red here or there. Um, so you know he's not he's not in exactly a position where uh, some opportunities won't occur. Um, maybe uh, Caracelli, Jason yesterday. Just is it is purely is that his lack of experience and immaturity as a, as a professional Premier League footballer that makes him do what he did when he did it, just fall over. As by the way, I did like. Um, um, uh, Hornets Nest Andy there who said that there must have been a shooting uh, in Bournemouth. Um, did anyone witness it? Um, he just felt like he'd been shot. He fell on the floor like he'd been shot. It was. It was I think it was nothing other than naivety for me, unfortunately. I, in fact, I think he had a. He was feeling his groin, I'm sure, before he cleared the ball. So if he thinks he's struggling and he needs someone to come and have a look at it or he needs to go off, get it out. Because we, we all know that the rules are that you don't have to put the ball out of play if a player's down injured unless it's, unless it's serious when the ref will then stop the game. So to think you're going to be able to sit down when the opposition's got the ball and they're just going to kick the ball out when they're 2-1 down with less than 10 minutes to go, yeah, nothing but naivety. Having said all that, I think it was the, the goal was poor defensive play all round. Um, we've talked about Kabul, maybe being a bit put off by it, but but a defender needs to concentrate. That's one of their main sort of main skills, if you like, of a of a defender is is your concentration. And he's seen it. He's seen the fact that Cabaselli's gone down Kabul, and he's and he's then gone over to cover a phobi. But he's let a phobia get outside of him, just just too easy. Just like stood and almost and sort of watched him wander past and giving him the head start to get the shot in. And that, yeah, it, it was just poor, poor defensive play all round, both Cabaselli and Kabul. Yeah, I think Cabaselli's done all right for me, considering that he's been playing as a as a right wing back, which is comprehensively not his not his preferred position. He's it wasn't not... Amrabat, and he's been doing all right. Well, yeah, but then you know, two very two very different players, and and. Uh, he's been put in there and he's done a reasonable job I'd say he does look like a little fish out of water sometimes but uh, I don't think he's done done too badly considering um but yeah I mean it was just it's just I think you just you know when you do something and then for days weeks later you think oh, I cannot believe I did that why did I do that and, and I'm I'm sure he'll be thinking the same the least he could have done was just sort of got his do something to sort of disrupt the the play and said I can't imagine for one minute he thought that the, the, they were going to kick the ball out. I just I cannot believe that 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 crossed his mind. I think he just went, ah, oh, that hurts, and 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 went down. And 
just 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 pretty pretty hopeless. And yeah, Kabul could have done better. I think for both goals, we we could have done better defensively um, in 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 numerous phases. That's the thing that frustrated me about the second goal was it came from and I talked about us being positive uh, in the game, and we were to a degree. But we sort of reverted to type and and played uh, instead of when the when the obvious ball was I think it was to get it wide or there was a forward pass on and they decided to go back uh, and then they ended up playing a really really dangerous ball across the back that was almost intercepted um, for and then the Bournemouth guy would have been through on goal but they they put themselves under pressure for absolutely no reason and then it was a passage of two uh, a passage of play or two later after that that, that this whole incident unfolded and it all stemmed from from just this sort of lack of positivity and then a, a, an almost lack of concentration. And, and it struck a chord, really, with what Jace was saying there about, about Kabul not switching on and sort of being able to mentally adjust to the situation that's unfolding in front of him. Because that kind of seems to sum up Watford altogether in the last sort of uh, month, six weeks, two months, maybe. They seem static. They seem to make... It seems very difficult to them. It doesn't seem... Nothing seems natural to them out there. And I think that shows in, as Jay says, people being unable to react to, to what's unfolding in front of them and to, to readjust and to deal with it appropriately. You know, you think about the, the top teams and how, how quickly they respond, whether it's in the, uh, the attacking thing. You know, we've seen it so many times. A, a, defender, a defender makes a great tackle. We think, oh, well done, he stopped that. And then Van Persie or Rooney or the Ronelco or whoever it is is there to smash it in when we think we've done all right. And it, that's all it takes. And uh, same at the back when you think, oh, Troy's in here or in the past, it could have been uh, Tamas Prisky or something like <laughs> you, you think You think you're in when all of a sudden, poof, they, they've been cleaned up, the, the, the ball's been taken off them and they're, and, and, and they're on, the, on the attack. And that's, that's the difference between Watford and, and, and where they need to be. They just, they just can't react quick enough. They don't, um, they don't respond well enough to, to, to what's happening in front of them. And I think they're all guilty of that. They can't, they can't exploit the good situations and they can't react to deal with the bad ones. A podcast made by Watford fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. I was chatting um, this afternoon with uh, Hornet Heaven, uh, Ollie Wicken. He chose, so if he was in a start, starting 11 now, Jason, Gomez and goal, same as, Jay, uh, same as Mike, uh, Prudel, Britos and uh, Cathcart. He then said, and this is, I said to him, you can pick whoever you like, and he said he'd have in midfield Decore, Cleverly and Watson with uh, Dini and at this point uh, Okaka up front and also uh, Jan Matt and Holobas uh, on, on the wings disagree with that yes I do disagree I just think we're lacking something in the midfield there I'd, I'd want Barami back in I think Barami on his day as Mike said earlier he's he's such an asset for us I think when he's when he's playing well when he's fit yeah, he's just so good at breaking the play up and, and sort of recycling possession without giving the ball away when he's on form. We know he's not been on form for part of this season, but still probably been one of our better players. Up front, I think I'd go with Dini Nakaka now, but when success is fit again, I think he has a role to play. Who I'd take out? Two weeks ago, I'd have probably said Dini. Now he's got that goal yesterday. He's hoping he can get a bit of run of form going again, um, and we have Dini in success. Did he not have? Did he, he had no? He found no place for Amrabat in that side. Uh, no, he sort of he went with he went with Yamma, and I, I, I did say actually I said to him this was going to be the game for next week with the players that we've got, and, okay. and Amrabat wouldn't wouldn't be uh, part of that that lineup. And I suppose you're right that that Yamma has been injured a lot 
uh, and hasn't had a really good run uh, in this in the team um, to really know if he would pip uh, Amrabat to that role. Hey, but but working on the basis that Amrabat's um, unavailable and is injured, then yeah, I'm, I'm more than happy with with Yamat. He came on with half an hour to go yesterday, and it's you know it's my catchphrase of the weekend. But that positive attacking intent, he just he was he's very he's happy to get forward. He's keen to get forward, and we just we haven't had that. Or certainly, in my opinion, people, people may well disagree. But I just don't think that we've had that um, that impetus for getting forward. And, and Jan Matt was just getting getting into into opposition territory, which which is which is what you have to do if you're going to if you're going to score goals and, and win football matches. So I, he's a key one to get back for me, Jan Matt. I think he was a, he's a great signing. Um, like so many others, he he hasn't we haven't been able to keep him fit for whatever reason. But yeah, I think he's absolutely key. And I'm I'm with Ollie and you guys. I'd, I'd have him in. Mike's surname is Parkin. Uh, he has a son called Arlo. And this is our feature, Michael Parkinson. Welcome once again to Michael Parkinson, a very special guest. It's Arlo. Arlo, how are you? Good. Now, you were at Bournemouth v Watford yesterday down at the Vitality. How do you think Watford played? I think they played a bit bad because they didn't get the ball that much. Now, what did you do at half-time? Someone told me you did something a bit special at half-time. I got to go on the pitch and take a penalty. So you have taken a penalty on a Premier League ground. Can you tell us what that's like? Is it scary? Do you feel under pressure? How, what's it like? How did you feel with everyone watching? I felt a bit nervous because I, there was loads of people standing in front of us. But overall, was it good? Yes, it was very good because it's my first time on a Premier League pitch. And hopefully not the last. Arlo, thank you very much for joining us. Bye. Always believe in your soul. You got the power to know you indestructible. Always believe in You're listening to From the Rookery End. I've, I've played that one because I think it might be might be one of the last times we get to play it. I do miss playing the Kitchenia uh, jingle, if I'm really honest with you. Um, but uh, but Mike, there's a, there's a talk going around. Uh, 17 million for Igalo from West Bromwich Albion. Of course, on Twitter, the, 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 there's a, a feeling or there's an instant reaction of, thank goodness, he's rubbish. Um, but I saw on uh, the Hornet Effect blog, um, they talked about everything that he's done and actually we do need to appreciate him and we do need to appreciate him because we wouldn't be where we were um, for everything he gave the club, let's say, in, in that, that run-up for promotion uh, at the beginning of the, the first half of the Premier League season last year. Um, he got to 100 games yesterday. Um, this isn't a player who's just done a little bit. But if we are the Potsos and we are the sh- as shrewd as we have been for many years now with the transfer market, uh, it, now is the time, do you feel? 
With, with um, perhaps surprisingly heavy heart, yes, I, th- I think now is the time. As long as we've got a, a replacement lined up and uh, and and someone else who's going to come in his place, I think you, you mentioned there what what he's done for us, and it's not just about getting us promoted. He he, he scored loads of goals in the Premier League as well. Let's not, let's not forget. Um, and I think any Watford fan who sort of waves him off, laughing, saying, "Ha ha, you know, good riddance," is it needs their head read really because he's been he's been great for us. Um, you look back at. I did actually laugh though. Someone did say, uh, "This is revenge for Nathan <laughs> Ellington," but I just liked it as a joke. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't actually, and agree I, with yeah, of course. I, I get that. I get that because he had. You know, there's two, there's two things to to be to be clear on. He's been great for us. He scored a lot of goals in the championship. Then he went on to score a lot of goals in in the Premier League. But it's also um, impossible not to to recognise that he's on an absolutely wretched run of form, and when his things aren't going his way, I don't think he necessarily holds himself particularly well. He looks miserable. He he looks down in the dumps, and he doesn't look like he's someone who's willing to um, play his way, fight his way out of this this poor run of form, which which doesn't do him any any favours, certainly in the eyes of of supporters and probably the the the, the coaching staff and, and owners as well. Um, the, the fee mentioned is seventeen million quid from a business point of view. Um, if if Agallo's happy to go. Then you're going to say, well, for somebody who hasn't scored many goals in in a fairly long period, seventeen million looks like look, look, looks like decent money, and we can then go have a bash at bringing bringing someone else in. I would say, uh, in Igalo's defence, and taking on board that you know, uh, I just saw someone on on Twitter the other day say that um, good strikers make chances, and I agree with that to a, to a degree, and I I agree that he hasn't probably worked hard enough to get himself out of the slump perhaps but I would also say that Watford since you know since Christmas last year have hardly been creating you know doing wonders for their for their strikers whoever it's been um you know none of them have have covered themselves in glory and that's and a lot of them they could all point to the fact that that there's hardly been any chances created we have not been an attacking force um we haven't created uh, much at all so I have a degree of sympathy for for Igalo um, and, and whilst I think he probably will be sold if the if the if the paper talk and the rumours of this seventy million pound uh, bid offer are, are true, I then would expect him to go and score goals for West Brom because they're they're a team who have got 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 their dander up. They seem to be comfortable in their own skin. They seem to be um, working out how to how to play, and you know they're they're rattling in goals left, right, and centre all of a sudden. And I I think he he'd join a confident side. Um, and I think he'd, he'd blossom and I think there'd be a lot of people thinking, oh, that's, uh, that's a shame. Uh, so I think we need to be careful about it. Um, but yeah, on, on balance, I think the, the, it's impossible to argue. I think that it feels, your gut feeling for me and I think for most other people is that, that his time with, with Watford is up. But I think that's partly our fault, as the, partly Watford Football Club's fault in terms of the way that they've played. Um, and, and partly his fault in as much as I, I just don't think he's done enough to to show people that he's he's willing to to battle. So it's going to be farewell, Iggy. But I'm I'm sad and I'm nervous that he's going to um, he's going to make us pay. He probably will do, but that's the old boy rule. The rumour coming in, particularly strong from uh, Sky Sports and Watford fan Adam Leventhal, uh, is, uh, and I always say in my head, Karate, <laughs> before I say his name, Zarate, who is coming from a Florentina, a player who hasn't played a lot. Um, I think that's the sort of players you get this time of year um, who's coming over. Seems, in many ways, a couple of, couple of mil, uh, fairly cheap. And the other good thing, I think he isn't he isn't the replacement for Igalo. And I suppose the the thing that Adam said on Twitter um, today was that he was more 
uh, coming in to cover the Pereira role. And if everything was did, uh, you know, if, if the transfer window pans out, then Watford would also bring in a striker. Is, does that feel like, yeah, that would be the that's the movement you you want, Jason? Interesting one. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure about Zarate. Obviously, he got a lot of bad press when he was at West Ham. Don't think the fans particularly liked him. And he had a bit of a dig when he left. When he when he left to go to Fiorentina, which wasn't that long ago, and I think this time last year, he said he didn't like the role he was given. Um, wanted to play a more attacking role, and wanted a role where he could do what he wants. Basically, he just likes to wander around a bit and and do stuff, which. Okay, yep, yeah, that's that's what a creative player does. You want him to roam about the pitch, find space and make something happen. The problem is we're going to need someone to work hard, as we said before, track back, which apparently he didn't do when he was playing for West Ham. Um, if he comes in, do we need to change the way we play? If we're going to have this creative player sitting behind... Well, I don't know. Would we have a front two or would we end up playing with one up front with him behind? Then the front man's got to then come back and track back behind Zarate because he's not going to have to do that. Mm. Um, apparently, when he went to Fiorentina, he actually asked, I think it's Paolo Sosa who's the manager there, asked him if he could play that role. So you've got a player here who's sort of dictating the terms of, of what he wants to do. He's not played much for Fiorentina then, you're saying, John, so... What's gone wrong now? I think we're getting a player in who's got a bit of a self-centred attitude, probably thinks a lot of himself. Just worries me a bit that he's not the man who's going to be up for the fight. I think it, it, it makes sense, though, to, that he's going to replace Pereira. And he, Pereira was hardly a, a defensive dynamo, was he? He wasn't someone that was, um, that, you know, he wasn't both ends of the pitch very often. And, um, yeah, I think... You have to look at it and say, yeah, he's not getting any 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 game time at Fiorentina. He's only costing two million quid, which in uh, in this climate, I probably would uh, put put two million quid as uh, as my value. Um, so, oh, two point five, Mike. Two point five. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he's he's better than me then, definitely. But um, <laughs> so yeah, as Jace rightly points out, there's there's not there's obviously not a bidding war for him. There's not there's not you know he's he's available for a reason. But quite frankly, that's that's the way it is with with virtually everyone we've signed. Because if if most players have got a choice for, for, for where they go in the Premier League, Watford ain't going to be it really. Um, they they haven't got a great reputation at the moment. There's uh, the manager is sort of the the jury's well and truly out, and I think that's putting it um, putting it politely amongst sort of other supporters and and pundits and and perhaps other players. Um, we're not doing well in the league, so. People, we, we beggars can't be choosers, quite frankly. And we we've managed to find ourselves in a situation where we need something to happen. We need something to spark us back into life, and it's very difficult to find those those sort of players. We talk about players. I think the the phrase I've seen on on social media a lot is, "We need someone who's going to come in and hit the ground running." Well, of course we do, but everyone wants that player. Everyone in the bottom half of the Premier League needs wants that sort of player to come in and bolster them to, uh, to 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 stave off relegation and everyone in the top half wants someone like that to help them push on and win a cup or, or get into Europe or win the league so we still have to understand where we are we're we're, we're still Watford we're and we're in a terrible run of form um, and as, for the first time people are are asking questions about the setup I think so we're hardly an enticing proposition um, that said I'm always excited when Watford sign a player because 
there's always promise. There's always these are professional footballers, elite athletes that uh, have managed to get to this stage of the game. You know, he's played in the Premier League before. He's played in Syria. These aren't mugs. Um, so who knows? He might um, he might click under under Walter and the and the team here. He might hit it off with with certain Watford players. And I think it'd be um, I think it'd be pretty poor form for us to write write him off before before he's even arrived. I think obviously we've we've had our fingers burnt before, where people look like they're going to be good signings and. We get excited because they've got a bit of pedigree because of where they've played. Um, so we're right to be perhaps a little bit tentative. But also, I think we we just need to give him, if he does arrive, let's give him our full support and, and hope, he, uh, hope he surprises a, a few people. A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. This is from the Rookery End. Uh, last Saturday after the game, uh, a message on uh, Facebook and Twitter um, from uh, Kevin Affleck, the editor of WD Sport, saying that the publication uh, in uh, is, was was to cease. Um, are you surprised? Were you, were you sort of surprised by that, Mike? Was I surprised? Yeah, I suppose I was really because I think uh, I think he'd found a, a niche. He'd worked very hard to to get to get Watford supporters some um, some decent gossip, some decent news. Um, and I think you could see by the um, by the responses that a lot of people were were sorry to um, sorry to see it um, it disappear and uh, and Kevin move on. I think from a print point of view, I think that was always very very ambitious. So perhaps not necessarily surprised that the the newspaper side of things didn't didn't perhaps pan out. But um, yeah, um, I know he didn't meet with universal approval with it, with all Watford supporters, and that, that's that's everyone's right not to. Uh, not to not to like or appreciate um, something or a service, but uh, yeah, I think um, what the important thing is is that you need people out there. I think what Kevin's not afraid to do, and which is which is valuable, is to be critical of the club, um, uh, and I think that's 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 very important. I think perhaps other other outlets find that slightly more difficult because they feel um, in return for access almost that they have to be a little bit more generous perhaps and, and and the harder stories might might perhaps get overlooked maybe that's unfair but i think that's that was kevin's big um big uh, plus was his was his ability to be uh, you know very pretty hard nosed really when covering watford so i think it was a, it was an asset in that respect uh, i got up with kevin this week uh, on the phone uh, and uh, i started by asking what his original dream was for wd sport the dream was it was it to get kind of uh, to be the first port of call for watford news to, to be trusted, respected, and also it was, business manager would also like to have it to have been profitable. We um, it was profitable to a certain degree in, in, in the other boxes. The the newspaper came out, and um, you know I've got a wife who works in publishing. She works for a major publishing company, and the the regularity of cutbacks and moving offices and and everything in print quite obvious for lots of people that that it's a it's a tough tough industry to sort of crack on. And when we spoke to you before, you sort of said, but actually niche print is is sort of growing were there any particular hurdles that you, you found actually that you know we i don't think we spoke to you really about it was pre-print when you actually went into print that that were were, t- were sort of harder than you thought it was very very tough but the, the sales were very very encouraging advertising was encouraging but the print product kind of had to be shelved shelved because i had some um some quite serious family health issues that took place at the time and they were still ongoing so that meant the print product just had to be shelved just because i couldn't really dedicate the amount of time I was dedicating to the print product at the expense of kind of family. It ended up being a, a real 24-7 job. I kind of was the 
the editor, the chief, the lead writer, the bookkeeper, the kind of, yes, very much the, the, the face of it. I was kind of delivering newspapers. I was uh, putting newspapers in envelopes and sending them out to people. I was re- rearranging them on the um, on the shelves. So it became very all-consuming and quite quite tiresome. But um, And that's the way it is often with, with anything new. You know, it does need someone to, to throw their heart and soul into it. And I suppose it, it, things happened at, at the wrong time. Yeah, the planets just didn't didn't align for us in that um, aspect. But I'm still I've still got every print product we did. I'm extremely proud of it, and the amount of people bump into in just walking to games at Sunday morning games. So when you bring in the paper back, we loved it. So the feedback was was quite overwhelming, really. So that was that was something really to be proud of. The the the, the thing that you you have been for many years now, Kevin, is a is a hardcore journalist after the stories, you know, really delving in and 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 discovering it, and 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 we definitely got that. From, from the beginning of, of W Sport when it was just that online proposition at the beginning of the Premier League stay that Watford on. What was think was your breakthrough story that, that really sort of people are aware of what WD Sport was? It was actually going to Germany. I think we made a, I mean, my partner made a conscious decision to go to Germany and be there from, from day one. And, and we touched down basically the same day that the, um, the team did. And I think the way were lagging behind a bit then. I think they arrived three or four days later and we managed to get kind of three, four, five stories out there, alternative stories, which we felt weren't out there. Um, we managed to get those up and get them out first. And and the the following and the appetite for what we did just kind of grew from there, really. We, we got to meet the manager before any other uh, press did. So we built up a good relationship with Kike from, from the outset and many of the new signings as well, particularly Sebastian Prudder, who kind of said hello to us this week, still on the back of us meeting him in, in Germany for the first time. So I think we really laid our marker down when we were in Germany. Out of all the stories you, you've had, do you think there was one that you let's that, that you enjoyed the most? I think as a journalist, I probably enjoyed breaking the the Kike story. I think we we were UK first with that one that he was going to be going to be leaving. It was a it was a brave story to run, and we got plenty of um plenty of pelters for it because fans essentially don't particularly want to know bad news about their club, particularly one when it comes to a, a figure as popular and as engaging and as likeable as Kike. And, and we, we grew very, very much to like him as well. So that was a difficult one to, to run, but we had to kind of stick to our journalistic principles. We were given the information. We had it verified by another source and, and we ran with that one. I think that to date remains our record story. But the, the, the second record story was actually... One we did with a farewell piece we did with Fernando Forestieri. I don't think we quite realised just how popular he was, but he gave us a lovely line about how he cried when he left Watford, and that really seemed to resonate with the Watford fans. So that story did particularly well. So that was a nice one to write. But yeah, from a hard news, hard nosed journalist point of view, I think it was um, the fact Kike would be leaving before the end of the season was was our was our highlight. Yeah, I know that you are a proper journalist. You're going to tell us uh, who your sources are or anything <laughs> like that. But did you find, let's say, over the, the you know the season and a half that you were doing, you know, it was the first season Watford in the Premier League. You were a journalist at the same time when Watford were last in the Premier League. How did you did you see any sort of changes over that time in terms of how Watford were? Because I'm I'm, I'm surely is a you know you can expect things to be a certain way, but the world that is outside of the Watford bubble, you know, the world that we're outside and um, that's outside of 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 us as from the Ricker end and and WD Sport, that's a very different place. Do you think that changed things at all for for a journalist at Watford? The fact you know since we've been part of the Premier League, for for when I was last covering uh, Watford at the Watford Observer to to now, I think it, um, I think the world has become a much smaller place. But also 
if it makes sense, a bigger place with the kind of proliferation of, of social media, you can get close. We, we actually picked up one or two sources via, via Twitter who became very, very trusted sources by the end of it. And the reach we were able to get with the WD Sport brand with our stories was just incredible on the back of Facebook and Twitter. So, yeah, the, the landscape, it was almost unrecognisable from the time when I first covered the club. Um, and also the, just the thirst for stories. You can have people, when I was at the Watford Observer, you had people kind of ringing you up on the landline saying, um, oh, who Watford going to sign? What do you know? And now it was kind of people just asking you instantly on whatever social media form of social media they decided to to use. So yeah, and and it was nice having that connection with the fans. If I'm honest, that's one thing I hope to perhaps continue via via my own personal Facebook pages. A lot of fans become kind of friends and and used to chat to people regularly, and and that was something I really really enjoyed getting much closer to the people who really really care about the club and and really want to know what's happening day in day out. So that was. Um, that was how the landscape shifted quite dramatically, really. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's it's that whole thing of, but it's quite hard, I think, sometimes in social media to to find the good. There's a lot of negativity and quick reaction and all the rest of it, but mm-hmm. it's it's great that you did find some some good in it. And going forward, you're you're going to be um, uh, sticking around the Watford Watford world, um, but working uh, at the heart of it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna see what the views like from the other side of the fence. John, I think um, someone joked to me today about it's kind of the um, ultimate poacher turned gamekeeper, but I don't think I'm in, quite in gamekeeper territory yet. I think I'd like to see myself as a bit more of a, a facilitator, really, kind of continuing to produce kind of the featurey stories that people want to read, and that went down so well. But this time, having no problem with um, with getting access to players, although we did have an interview lined up with a player today. Probably won't take too many guesses to work out who it was. And um, he just turned around and said he's not doing it. So I don't think it matters sometimes um, who you who you with, what badge you what badge you got on your on your blazer, who who indeed pays your wages. If a player doesn't want to speak to you, then he doesn't want to speak. But um, it's all the fun of the fair and and hurdles you have to overcome in this industry. So you are going to be doing more feature sort of bits for the club rather than news stories and this is what's happening. It's more like tying things together. Yeah, I, th- I think we. Going to have to tread a fairly fine line, but speaking to the people who, who run the website there, and, and I think they've done a, a fantastic job with how it looks. I think they just want to get more more eyeballs there. Obviously, we're not going to be doing kind of the real hard nosed journalist stories that you traditionally see on WD Sport, but certainly going kind of behind the badge, as the um, as the NBC documentary says, and and getting access to players. Me still bringing those kind of journalistic qualities to my writing, but just. Not necessarily the hard-nosed stuff, but we we did a piece with Tom Cleverley this week, which was terrific. We've got various pieces and, and ideas lined up. So, yeah, they're very very featurey, but not necessarily very fluffy as people might think. It's it's the remit is kind of you're going to see stuff on the club website that you necessarily wouldn't associate with the club and you wouldn't expect to see on there. We're the Orns. You're the Orns. Uh, Jason, next up, Millwall, FA Cup fourth round. Um, are you going to do a completely new eleven? Because two days later, we end up playing Arsenal. Do you, do you set up a bunch of young lads for uh, for a loss at uh, at Millwall, followed by the first team getting a loss at Arsenal? Am I, am I being too pessimistic? That's the thing, because um, not long after the Arsenal game, we got a game at home to Burnley, which you'd say is bigger than the uh, the Arsenal away game. It's it's the 
uh, the potential three points at home to Burnley that's going to shape the season going forwards rather than the likely loss at Arsenal, I think. First team out against Millwall, get through the FA Cup then. Mm. Put the lads out against the young lads and the uh, not that regular uh, senior players against Arsenal and then everyone back, the first team back after a great win against Millwall then, yeah? Exactly. And because the only way I could see us get anything at Arsenal would be if Granny Xhaka did something stupid on the day and got himself sent off, but he's blown that by getting himself suspended by getting sent off today. So uh, so that's out of the window. Um, I say that in jest, but there's almost a little part of me that just wonders if at Arsenal, Neil Warnock did it for Sheffield United once, didn't he? And then I think he got fined for it as well, which is ridiculous when you're made to name a 25-man squad for the Premier League. Um, yeah, the, the the Burnley one's the important one for me. So, and that's the one I'd want to have my my full fit first eleven out for. Yeah, I agree. I t- I totally agree. I think um, uh, we're live on TV for for the Millwall game. We don't want to end up with egg on our faces. We need to get some sort of momentum going. And I think a cup run is going to be good for the for the club and the supporters. I think my feelings on the FA Cup are, are clear and are on on record. I want us to, to to continue to do well. We've got some recent Wembley demons to put to bed what what better way to do that than in the FA Cup so let's get up there to to Millwall and beat that I think the club went on record to say they are they didn't ask for the Arsenal game to be put back um which they have I think they have every right to do because it was the the cup game has moved for TV but they they requested that the Arsenal game wasn't moved which indicates to me exactly as we're sort of surmising they're focusing on the Burnley game um and you know (laughs) There's always the foot, little football part of the football fan in you that thinks, well, we might turn them over. We might do, we might, you know, that might be the, the, the stage that our boys sort of flex their muscle and really go for it with nothing to lose. Um, but having been to Liverpool away and, and Tottenham at home, um, who are the other sort of clubs that we've played in that bracket, bracket recently, we've got absolutely turned over. Um, so no reason to expect we could, it sounds depressing, but I've got no, absolutely no hope of getting anything at Arsenal, quite frankly. So yeah, let's, let's rest some of the key performers. Let's work on getting our first 11, 100% fit for that, for that home game with Burnley. And, you know, we're still in, I've been quite negative in terms of where we're, where we're at in terms of our, our, our development and where we are in the, in the league position. I think in terms of development, we're not, we've, we, we feel we've stagnated and, and I feel like we've gone back a little bit. I think the squad needs more work than it did, than it does, did this time last year, for, for example. But in terms of league position, we're far from, far from dead. You know, we're, we're still, we're still above a, a lot of teams who are struggling. So, um, a win against Burnley, uh, and and things are going to look going to look reasonable again, and and, and there's every hope of a, of a decent run in with a with a fully fit squad. But and I, I'm very loath to sort of say rest, resting players does anything anyway, because I think players want to play. I think we just want to avoid injuries. Um, the other side of the coin is we want to lose lose. We want to avoid losing ten nil at Arsenal as well. You know. Um, it's a tricky one. It's a very, very tricky week. You've got all. We've got sort of all three sides of the coin. If there is such a thing, we've got FA Cup, which is a, which is a, which is a toss up. Do we, uh, you know, do we risk players in that? Arsenal, do we risk players in that? And then Burnley, which is a must win. So, real, real interesting week. An exciting week. Um, three games in a week doesn't happen very much when you're in the Premier League. Uh, kind of just sort of. Anything could happen, so I'm just sitting back trying to enjoy it and uh, and letting it all wash over me yesterday, really. I'd, it was interesting going to Bournemouth yesterday. I don't think I've ever travelled to a game with less expectation. 
Um, I think we still the, the Middlesbrough game was was a one-off really because of the obvious situation around Graham and uh, and the football was 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 a hundred percent secondary for for me. I didn't give the game a second thought before or after really, to, to to be perfectly honest. And Bournemouth, I just haven't really recovered from it. I just thought, well, well, whatever will be, will be. Um, we never really get anything here, so. <laughs> yeah, it's just sort of at the moment. It's it's so difficult to predict what's going to happen with Watford. So it's just a bit, yeah, just sort of wait and see what's happening. Wait and see what happens. Well, we will wait and see what happens. Um, just uh, on on that, thank you very much for um, everyone's feedback on last week's podcast. Um, there was no chat about the game, as Mike said. Uh, we just sort of focused it on our stories uh, and our feelings about about the death of Graham. Um, and I think some of you sort of sharing your thoughts on it, it, it helped a little bit um, for you. Um, even if it took you a few days to actually get around to listen to it. And uh, we hope to do a, 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 another podcast so more when we've got more time um, to put it together, uh, include as many of you in it as possible, um, uh, just about Graham uh, and uh, you know one of the, if not the most important man in in the club's history. Um, remember, you can get in touch as always uh, on Twitter at Watford Podcast, Facebook. Uh, you can find us by searching from the Rickery End or Watford Podcast. Uh, and uh, if you do uh, listen uh, via, uh, not if you don't listen via um, a mobile device, uh, if you do have an iPhone, then do do whack us on your uh, your podcast app uh, and subscribe button so you get it first and still for free. Uh, thank you very much, Jason. Thank you. And uh, thank you, Michael. Hey, you're more than welcome. Come on, you horns.